Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and the benefits of abandoning your kids. The long tyrannical reign of Frieza has come to an end. Goku has been out grabbing smokes for months and we begin setting the table for our heroes in the next struggle as we get ready to dive into the Android arc part one. I'm your host Dayton and once again I'm joined by my co-host Todd. Hi! And tonight we'll be covering Kai's episodes 55 through 60 as our heroes take advantage of the peace they found back on Earth. Krillin, Tien, and all the others have returned to life. The Namekians have moved on to a new homeworld, but Goku is still nowhere to be found. Our adventure picks up in this moment of relative calm. And with all of that covered, was there anything you wanted to add before we got things started, Todd? I think we can move right into it today. Okay, well, that's going to bring us to Dragon Ball Kai's episode 55. That's Earth, Papa, Frieza, and his father strike back. And this episode begins with a panning shot of the ruins of Namek, amongst which is the battered and bloodied partial body of Frieza, who still barely lives. And we find a spaceship that's very similar to the one that Frieza had landed on Namek with, kind of searching and looking through the ruins until it actually finds the form of Frieza. And this is where we're introduced to a new character. Yeah. And this character design looks familiar. It looks very much akin to Frieza as we're introduced to King Cold, who we quickly find out is Frieza's father. Yeah. And King Cold is this kind of towering, like muscular creature was, Frieza's kind of the opposite, right? Frieza's kind of understated and small, kind of terrifying package. And speaking of that, um, Frieza's form is put back together on this just slab of a table using different like robotic parts and kind of some crazy science. And we see Frieza's eyes kind of open back up and in a very harsh mechanical voice, we see Frieza's first words, which are, Father, we're going to Earth. The Super Saiyan must die. Yeah, I mean, this is super dramatic. Uh, I, I mean, I remember the first time getting introduced to King Cold. I was like, you know, we already spent, gosh, the original Dragon Ball Z probably spent close to 100 episodes on Namek. Uh, so we spent all that time building up the terror that is Frieza. And now we find out that Frieza has a father and you can only assume that this guy's got to be, you know, as strong as Frieza or maybe even stronger. So this is a scary moment. Yeah. When, when I first watched through this, it, this, I could have swore this was going to be the next big villain, right? This is the, the empire strikes back. This is the revenge arc that's in the works right here. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where this scene leaves off. It kind of leaves it open-ended, but we know that there's trouble heading towards Earth and Goku's still nowhere to be found, right? It's been one whole year since Goku has defeated Frieza. Yeah, which is going to be important because we kind of shift our point of view over to Earth where we get to see, you know, Gohan continuing his studies. We kind of check in with uh, Yamcha and Balma and... I mean, they're they're talking about, you know, hey, it's been peaceful. We haven't had to deal with anything much. We get to see Krillin training with Master Roshi. And it's we also get to see Vegeta uh, or at least quickly returns to the scene as we find out that Vegeta took 
the spaceship out into space to both train and look for Goku. Can, can I go ahead and point out that it was kind of a weird point to end the previous arc on because they kind of started diving into what characters were already doing on Earth during this time of peace. And then it picks up kind of in the middle of that happening, right? We've seen, I guess, Vegeta zoom off and start training on a spaceship. Um, we went through the process of kind of wishing everybody back. And we like we know that Goku's still alive. He's just out in space at this point. It's kind of this weird moment where I, I wish they would have separated out everything out a little bit more cleanly. So that way you could end on an episode and not really have too many loose ends, but they kind of start the ball rolling before they finish out the Frieza arc. I'm going to have more to say about that too, because where this episode starts with Frieza getting put back together is really weird to me, but I think it's better to cover that as we get a little bit further in. Um, but yeah, I, I very much agree with you. There's some of the, the places where they end the episodes and then the places where they put in information and details feels a little weird and disjointed. And that's, I mean, it's of course the nature of the fact that they're cutting up episodes and cutting out content. I actually went back and watched some of the original Dragon Ball Z for these episodes there's a lot of like weird pacing and weird filler in there. There's one part that I didn't remember at all that Gohan has this abusive tutor who's like beats him with I a whip forgot and stuff. about that. Yeah, I do actually remember that. I forgot about it too until I watched it again and I was like, oh my God, it's like an entire episode. <laughs> it's completely unnecessary. I'm very glad they cut it out. So I'll give them points for that. Okay, this is still clearly better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we we kind of take a moment to ju- like see what each character is kind of up to quickly. Um, we see that Krillin's been out training on Roshi's Island, where I think Roshi's already told Krillin and most of the others that there's nothing more he can really train with them. There's nothing more he can do. And we see Roshi's not really training Krillin. Krillin's trying to train himself. And we see him kind of, kind of, I guess, show frustration at how weak he is compared to Goku and the others. I mean, this is kind of the I think Namek is the breaking point because in terms of power levels, um, because we Namek still has a lot of really cool group fights. It has, you know, a lot of the Z fighters, the lower powered Z fighters are still relevant. But once Goku goes Super Saiyan and once we get Frieza at 100 percent, there's just this vast gap between some of our lower end fighters, Krillin included. So it makes sense that he's frustrated here. You know, and it's frustrating to me because I I don't like these side characters being discarded. And the fact that they recognize this void tells me that I don't know if this, if this was the same way in the originals, if the dialogue was the same way in the originals, but I can't imagine it being much different. So, I mean, they had to be aware that there was this big chasm between the main character and everybody else. Yeah, it's the dialogue's pretty similar from what I was watching. Uh, the only thing I will say is that they find interesting ways to to tie in those side characters like Krillin later on in this arc, even Tien gets his little shining moment later on in in the uh, the entirety of this android arc, but we'll get to that later. 
Well, we have Vegeta finally returning from his space uh, trip, wherever he went. And Bulma is right there on point, ready to show that man to the shower where she dresses him up in his iconic bad man uniform. I love, I mean, I love the Batman uniform, but I particularly love the way Balma handles Vegeta. And it's because, I mean, Balma is not powerful in terms of power levels or key or anything like that, but she just has this attitude of, I'm not going to put up with your bullshit. You're coming with me and you're taking a shower right now. And she treats the prince of all Saiyans who could easily blow up this planet like a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's strength of personality, right? It's Vegeta is one of the most headstrong people you'll you'll ever see in the entirety of, of Dragon Ball. It, Every universe you can look at, compare them all. Vegeta is probably one of the most headstrong people. Even DBZ Abridged just makes jokes to the nth degree about it. But those jokes are believable. That's how headstrong Vegeta is. Bulma has always kind of been in that similar vein, right? I'm a genius. I can do it. There's nothing, you know, nothing gets in my way. I'm too beautiful to be in this situation. Bulma's also very kind of headstrong and arrogant. So she's kind of a, a decent foil for Vegeta in a way. Yeah, it's a good point. It's as weird as their what we're going to find out here in just a minute. Uh, their relationship gets it, it. It fits like it makes a lot of sense. They they have a lot of parallels to one another. Uh, and so we get to see Vegeta in his bad man outfit. Uh, we get to see them kind of cracking jokes at him briefly. And this is kind of quickly this this light tone quickly shifts as we get a brief conversation between Krillin and Gohan as they're discussing this powerful evil energy they feel coming towards the earth. Yeah, and we quickly find out that it's Frieza and his father, King Cold, and they're actually about to arrive. And all of our heroes begin kind of naturally gathering towards where they think the battle location is going to be. Um, I love this scene where we see Gohan pulling his old Saiyan battle armor from Namek out from under his bed and getting ready to head off in it. It's just, it's such a nice little touch. It's really good. I like it a lot. We get to see Gohan kind of flying out, meeting up with Krillin. Uh, we see Vegeta making his way there, uh, Yamcha, and eventually Tien and Chaozu, and even Bulma and Poir heading to the battlefield. <laughs> Everybody's there, and everybody shows up just in time to see King Cold's ship fly overhead. And we get this kind of like really cool panning shot of Frieza and King Colt's grinning faces as their ship gets ready to touch down. It's very menacing and it's very well done. I like it when there's a few moments where DBZ does these kind of panning shots where you circle around the characters and get a breath of the battlefield and the character them characters themselves. This is another one of those little nice touches that just, it adds to the bravado of the situation. I agree. I actually really like it. It's subtle, but I really like the animation in this episode. 
it's not even so much the like the panning shots are really really good but the characters there's like you said the great shot of frieza and king cold with their kind of like menacing smiles and then there's a great shot of all of the z fighters and the sheer terror on all of their faces as they feel this energy and some of them seeing the familiar form of this frieza ship coming down onto earth it's really well done and we this it's at this point that Yamcha starts just losing his cool after sensing Frieza's power level. He's only ever heard of Frieza through King Kai. This is his first time actually getting a sample of what Frieza actually is. I really like this too. I know a lot of people like to make fun of Yamcha, and you know I I jump on that bad wagon as well. But I'm really glad that we have a character in this situation who loses their cool. It gives the audience a moment to be like, oh shit, this is a really bad situation. Like these guys are in some big trouble. Yeah, and there's kind of this realization that I guess from Yancha and for us as the audience that everybody there is aware of the situation that they're walking into. Everyone's prepared to likely give up their lives to try and fight for this planet. And Vegeta puts a bow on this statement by telling them that, yeah, the planet's already doomed. I mean, what else can they do, right? If they they even go so far as to be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't even be here. And it's like your choices are are hide and freeze is going to blow up the planet and you're all going to die or try to fight. And there's a good chance you're going to die anyway. But at least you tried like maybe you'll have some slim sliver of a chance yeah just the the iron resolve of the z fighters and it was really just a testament to their character right how far they've all come especially these characters that you've grown up with with say tn or piccolo or you know these quote-unquote evil characters that now are willing to just lay their lives down for the planet it's i mean it's a really cool moment, but it also is a really deep moment if you follow these characters through their story. Yeah, and that's a really good point because we're kind of seeing, especially like TN and then even more so Piccolo, but even maybe more than that in like a weird gray area, Vegeta, these people who on some level, shape or form were were villains or even trying to take over the world, destroy the world. Uh, they're now on the other side of things. They're trying to protect it from Frieza, who is clearly here to destroy it. And this is where we see Frieza and King Cold finally step out of their ship. And they reveal that they kind of scanned Goku's ship along the way and figured out that he was three hours away. Um, and they're going to spend the downtime waiting for him, just causing mayhem and misery. And Frieza orders all of his men to go on this earthling killing rampage. And just as Frieza's men begin to step away from the ship to take out these orders and murder the earthlings, they quickly get cut down with a few precision slices of what looks like some sort of blade. And we cut over to our culprit as we see this figure black pants this purple jacket with a familiar capsule corp logo on the side and kind of this purple parted bowl cut hair 
as he sheathes a sword on his back and declares, Freezing King Cold, I'm here to kill you. I will say the scene was also touched up for the major reveal and it did not look that great. <laughs> You're talking it looked about not so good. The shot of trunks specifically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, it looks like it's drawn with crayons. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it look it looks pretty bad. Also, uh, th- his name is trunks. Uh, I'm guessing everyone's seen dragon ball at this point. Um, but they also take a long time to get to the reveal, so I probably have Mysterious Warrior slash Swordsman written down 30 more times before they reveal it. I, I'll try and not say that as many times. I probably, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I give it away, right? But I, <laughs> I've watched the show so many times. Mm. Uh, but yes, it's, uh, well, it, you guys will find out later. His name is Trunks, but... Uh, well, p- part of me, too, is I want to leave it the mystery so that way I can keep an eye on when that name reveals happen happens and kind of, I guess, gauge what was happening in that moment and what that reveal means to me, right? And unfortunately, I guess when... Well, we'll get to the name reveal later, but... Cause it's it's kind of a big deal. So it takes th- a while too. It takes a long time, especially considering that this is Kai and they speed through stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. But I think that pretty much wraps up that episode. Yeah, it does. That brings us into Kai's episode fifty six. I'll defeat Frieza, another Super Saiyan. Oh boy, oh buddy, oh we got some controversy brewing. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, episode fifty six. We get Frieza and King Cole just laughing at Trunks' threat. But things get a little bit more tense when we see that, you know, Trunks uh, dispatched all of his henchmen henchmen in record time. And this is where Frieza starts gloating and stepping forward and and kind of not really taking Trunks serious. It's it seems like Trunks is not even registering on the threat scale at this point. No, I mean, Frieza basically tells his henchmen, take care of this chump. And these are henchmen who can't even control key. They have blasters, like guns on their arms. So clearly they're not that powerful. Uh, and as such, one of them steps forward with a blaster, gets a reading first with his scouter on our mysterious warrior and says... Oh, he's power level five. You know, this guy's going to get blown away and then fires his blaster at said warrior who easily deflects it off into the distance. I I will say that is still one of the coolest just key deflections from from my childhood, even though it means nothing. It looks so good. It's so cool because it's not only the first one. He fires the first blast and it gets easily deflected with one hand and then he fires off i think three more rounds that just boom 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 off into the distance the i mean the framing for it is beautiful uh the our, way they like cascade down in the background blowing up chunks of mountains as he just no sells it oh yeah absolutely i'm i'm going to call him trunks cuz it's just going to make this easier but trunks easily just like throws them off into the background, like barely even moving outside of just using his hand to do so. It looks phenomenal. And this is where things start getting a little bit more interesting when Trunks brings up the fact that there's more than one Super Saiyan in this universe. 
And this is when we see his hair lift and stand up and then suddenly explode into that golden Super Saiyan shine. And Frieza begins having a little bit of PTSD. I love all of this. I have to just pause briefly and rewind to the the scene where Trunks, like all the soldiers come in at Trunks and then he dashes forward with his sword and in a flash, they all get cut down because that was like in my childhood as like a 12 year old boy, I was like, he is the coolest thing on the planet. <laughs> the, the anime sword slices. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's so overdone at this point and so cliche, but at that time in like the mid nineties, coolest thing ever (laughs) okay all right all right i'll let you have your moment (laughs) (laughs) but what i mean even more than that though i love frieza seeing the transformation into super saiyan and just the rage and the i mean like you said it's it's ptsd he sees the eyes these kind of green eyes that trunks has and then the golden hair and all he can think about is goku in his super saiyan form defeating frieza yeah and with frieza freaking out he begins just firing key blasts and i mean we see once again trunks is just just not even budging Frieza begins throwing everything at Trunks. He even takes out the the planet killing ball and launches it down on on Trunks. And we see him kind of hit him and start sinking into the ground. Frieza turns and starts talking with his dad about how, you know, actually this was something that the dialogue changed on because in this version, uh, King Cold yells out, what are you doing? You're going to blow up the whole planet. We'll lose our ship. And in the original version, King Cold says, why didn't you just lead with that and save us some time? It's very different, right? It's I thought that was an interesting change, too. Uh, I I don't know. I think I could go either way on that one because it it makes sense that I could see King Cold being very impatient and not wanting to waste his time here. But I also see King Cold thinking like, hey, I don't want to have to fly through space myself we need our spaceship (laughs) yeah i also i mean they have like a a planet selling empire corporation thing right so blowing up a planet is probably a a huge loss to them so i could see king cold being like what are you doing we're also here on business yeah and that's a really good point too uh but it doesn't go the way that they expect because they quickly see the death ball that Frieza launched at this warrior is now rising up is clearly not going down into the planet. And they quickly see the feet and the rest of the form of our super Saiyan warrior with one hand raising the ball into the air. Yeah. We see trunks kind of, kind of smirking arrogantly as Frieza looks on in astonishment. And after Trunks gives a little quip, we see Frieza fire a little key blast out that kind of arches over and hits the side of this planet-killing ball. And we see it become unstable and then erupt in a massive explosion. And it's at this point that they begin to laugh. They think that the battle is over at this point. I... 
I love this. I the idea of like blasting the key blast that's already there and that exploding, I think is really cool. I I love the fact that freezing King Cold are f- constantly overestimating their own abilities and then also they can't sense key they can't sense energy so they have no fucking clue if this guy's dead or not yeah and unfortunately their arrogance once again is going to get them into trouble as the as trunks fires off a key blast kind of catching frieza off guard forcing him to leap into the air and it's at this moment that frieza's defenses are down and our swordsman is able to catch the mechanical tyrant off guard where he cuts him right down the middle. I love this. And me being the, I mean, Trunks is probably my second favorite character in the show. So I love getting to see his finish buster move, which is, has the most unnecessary movements to it. Uh, It's ridiculous, but him just like throwing his hands out in front of him in this fast rapid motion and then sticking his hands out to fire off his key blast. I, I ate that shit up as a kid. (laughs) Well, I I like it too, even as an adult, because Trunks is very young. Let's keep this in mind that he's, I mean, for those of us who have seen into the future, uh, Gotenks kind of does some hilarious stuff like that. This is just that same thing tuned down a little bit more. Yeah, I I definitely want to talk about that later with Trunks, too, because we quickly find I mean, Trunks is 17 here. We quickly find this out. Uh, I don't. Well, we'll go into it later because I don't want to go too much. Say, into there's a history. lot to talk about here. So yeah. we see Frieza cut and then 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 just incinerated with a colossal key blast. Right. So there's nothing left of Frieza at this point. Yeah. And it's done with fucking style, man. Cuts him in half and then one hand underneath the sword just blasts <laughs> him. I believe um, I labeled this the cool guy blast. Oh, man, it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) We do Uh, find that uh, King Cold is now finding himself uh, lacking an air after uh, his previous one got incinerated. And we see him offer that position to Trunks since it's now vacant. This is great. I love I, I love this character characterization for King Cold because it. I mean, appropriate to his name, it's very cold and calculating. It's more just like, ah, lost my son. Well, guess I need a replacement. <laughs> well, remember, after Frieza lost all of his henchmen on Namek, he offered the same position to Goku. So it's like father, like son. It's a great attention to detail, too. Absolutely. It's a great tie-in to that. That's a really good point. And when Trunks quickly turns this position down, and we should also probably point out, our Z fighters arrive on the scene at this moment just in time to see Frieza get obliterated. And they're like, who is this guy? And Gohan's even like, oh, he he looks like a Super Saiyan. Uh, so they're all kind of confused. Like, you know, Vegeta's saying, it can't be a Super Saiyan. There's only two Saiyans around, two and a half if you count Gohan. Um, but this quickly turns into King Cold now offering Trunks a different proposition. Yeah, with Trunks denying a position in King Cold's empire, 
King Cole now accuses uh, Trunks of gaining all of his power from his sword and asks if he could see it, if he could hang on to it. And Trunks kind of smirks and hands over the sword, and we see King Cold arrogantly kind of swinging it around and then turns and drives the blade down right on top of Trunks, who easily catches it with one hand. And it's at this point King Cold realizes he has fucked up. <laughs> Watching these two figures, because Trunks is a fairly short figure, and King Cold just towers over him in both height as well as just sheer muscle mass. And Trunks just holding the sword easily backs this titan off of him. And then as King Cold is quickly trying to plead for his life, Trunks sticks a hand out and just blasts a hole right through the giant. I love it. It's the he's blasted back a hole in his chest. He slams into a mountain and we see him kind of droop down heavily, eventually cratering into the dirt below with blood streaks kind of scraping down the side of the mountain as he begins gasping for air. And it's at this point he's begging for survival. He's offering anything to spare his own life. And Trunks denies it, ignores it and decides to just evaporate him from existence now with a key blast. I mean, this is so fast. And it, I mean, it, it happens quick in the original too, but Trunks dispatches. You, this is another instance of the measuring stick. It's something we've talked about many, many times before. Uh, I mean, it was. Frieza was the person to beat, was the wall for Goku to climb. And the only way he could do that was by fulfilling this prophecy, this thousand year old prophecy of the Saiyan race and becoming a super Saiyan and trunks comes in as a super Saiyan and dispatches both Frieza who is supposedly stronger with his robotic upgrades and his father who it has been said by the Z fighters feels like he has a stronger power than Frieza Trunks made them look like chumps. Yeah, it really kind of diminishes Goku's journey on Namek. It really diminishes the prophecy for me just because it was such a, it's an entire arc of a buildup, right? And then the first thing we do when we get to the next arc is just throw another one into the mix. I mean, I will say um, the, the history of Trunks movie, I think Trunks absolutely earned being a Super Saiyan, but that's, information you don't have at this point when you first see it right but it, uh, that's where i'm a little conflicted on this is i feel like this could have been different it could have been maybe just king cold or something i don't know i just i wanted frieza to not be involved so quickly and dispatched so quickly it's tough i i get what you mean and i i at least agree with you partially I really enjoy, especially I remember as a child watching this, I loved the mystery of Trunks. I loved the idea, like, who is this person? How is he a Super Saiyan? I mean, watching him transform into a Super Saiyan is hype as hell. Uh, seeing the 
the trauma that Frieza has towards the Super Saiyan transformation specifically is fantastic writing. I love that part. Uh, so there's there's a lot of good and there is a little bit of bad mix in there because I also really, really like Goku, you know, fulfilling this prophecy and doing what Vegeta couldn't and getting revenge for the Saiyan race against this tyrant Frieza. And this does eh, it muddies that a little bit. I agree. Well, I mean, it. I guess, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty because this isn't the end of Frieza, so I guess it all doesn't really matter. Um, I <laughs> I will give you some credit, though. As far as cool points go, this is cool. Trunks' introduction is very cool, and it's fun. Um, and you're right. It does make you ask questions, right? Who is this guy? Where did he come from? We just spent 100 episodes fighting Frieza, and this guy killed him in, like, one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh this kind of turns into uh the trunks powers down goes out of his super saiyan form and he kind of turns and addresses the z fighters and says hey i'm gonna go meet goku where he's going to land do you guys want to come with me <laughs> I love this part, though, because Vegeta is just having this mental breakdown over what he just watched. And the idea of another Super Saiyan is just he can't handle it. He's losing his mind. <laughs> I mean, he already had to see Goku as a Super Saiyan, which is it's it's the pinnacle of the Saiyan race. It's what Vegeta has wanted probably his entire life. And so he had to see this what he considers a low class warrior, the warrior that he considers to have beat him uh achieve this form and now this fucking stranger has it. <laughs> this kid shows up and he's a super saiyan what the heck's going on well to make matters worse nobody knows who's th who this guy is and nobody trusts him so we've got this really weird situation now i love this i i know this kind of brings us to the tail end of the episode but i wanted to talk about briefly before we move too far away from freezing king cold I I love King Cold's design, uh, kind of what you said, where King Cold is like large compared to Frieza being like this small package. King Cold kind of looks like, uh, well, looks very much like Frieza's second form. The first transformation that Frieza goes into where he's tall, his horns are kind of turned upward. The, and because of that, I'm never going to get this answer or get this question answered. But I have wondered most of my life is King cold in his second form is King cold in his final form. Does King cold have transformations that he could have gone to, to make him stronger? If so, could he have potentially been stronger than trunks in super Saiyan? I want to know the answers. Yeah. We're not getting an answer to that. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I want to drag those answers out of Akira Toriyama and be like, tell me, let me know. Nope. The guy was at space dust. You got to spend 10 minutes with him. He's dead now. Yeah. So we're, we'll never get the answers to those questions, but <laughs> I, I had to bring it up. It's bothered me for years, for decades. Well, now I'm thinking about it. Great. Anyway, 
I'm going to go ahead and move this train along to episode 57, which is <laughs> Welcome Back, Son Goku, The Confession of the Mysterious Boy Trunks. So there, we officially have his name on record. It's in the episode title. And we see Trunks uh, just hanging out at where Goku's supposed to arrive. And he has a mini fridge full of beer and sodas and stuff. So yeah, he might as well just crack open a heat tap and hang out with everybody. <laughs> and I, I think it's important to point out it's, he doesn't just have a mini fridge. He has capsules. He pulls out a, a box that we've seen like Balma use in the past and tosses a capsule down to pop out a mini fridge, uh, which is, is going to be important. He also has the capsule corp logo on his shoulder, which is something I think that Balma here asks about. And she's, I might be mixing up the I've watched so many versions of this in the past day or two, uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Balma asks him like, hey, are you a Capsule Corp employee? And he's like, no, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is very kind of dodgy about it uh, when he does open up the mini fridge. So I don't know if this is a reference to anything, but Krillin just asks, do you got any grape? Just uh, really awkwardly. I don't. Is that a reference to something? It has to. Be. So. Uh, that was in the Kai version, right? Yeah. I, hmm. I'm not sure who's playing off of who here, because if you remember, <laughs> uh, you remember in Abridged when Goku says, uh, Trunks, well, I'm going to be spoiling some things, but basically the, the thing that Trunks gives to Goku is grape flavor. Okay. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm not sure who's referencing who here, but there's definitely somebody <laughs> referencing the grape thing. Cause I laughed when I heard the grape thing from Krillin. <laughs> it was, it was definitely, you could not avoid hearing it. It was just, we need everyone to know that Krillin asks if he has any grape. And it just, it was really weird to me. It's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's at around this point that uh, Balma lets slip that uh, she thinks that Sword Man is hot as hell. Mm. And you can see Trunks is feeling pretty awkward about the attention that he's getting from Balma. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the wait is over and Goku's ship finally makes planet fall. And with the main character of the show finally emerging, um, we see that he's stepping out of a one of the Saiyan space pods that we saw like Vegeta and like the Ginyu Force travel around in. And on top of that, Goku's wearing this really bizarre looking space suit like nothing we've seen. Yeah, the space pod specifically has the Ginyu Force symbol on the front of it. Too. Oh, I like that attention to detail. I didn't pick up on that. It's really, really good, uh, which is going to be important to his story here in just a little bit. But Goku is kind of like, what the heck are all of you guys doing here? How did you know I was going to be here? And they're like, we talked to this stranger who just beat the snot out of Frieza and his dad. And he said you were going to be here. They're all kind of like expecting that Goku's going to be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And that is not the response we get from <laughs> Goku at all. <laughs> yeah, everybody's even more confused when Goku's like, I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> and to make matters worse, this stranger wants to drag Goku off for a private conversation with just him. 
And so everybody's on on red alert right now. Things are really, really dodgy right now. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all frustrated because this is the first time they've seen their friend Goku in a year after thinking that he was dead. And now he's getting pulled away for a conversation by this mysterious stranger. Uh, But this quickly turns into. Trunks telling Goku, hey, you were supposed to be the one to kill Frieza, but uh, since you weren't here, I kind of stepped in and took your place. And we quickly find out Goku says, oh, you know, I could have done something about it because I learned this new technique. Yeah, they definitely tease it there and don't say anything else. But we kind of get the the spilling of the beans, if you will, at this point after after Trunks says he's going to spill the beans after he proves something. And this is where he asks Goku to go Super Saiyan to prove that he's really the real deal. And this is where Goku kind of lights up to everyone's shock. And then Trunk also decides to light up. And so now we have two Super Saiyans standing right in front of each other. I was actually kind of surprised here that uh, Goku's his transformation is almost like off screen, which is kind of funny. Um, but it, it's done very rapidly. I I actually really like I like Trunks's original transformation a whole lot uh, with him, like his purple hair glowing and raising up. I actually really like his transformation here, too, which is done fairly quickly. But you get to see his hair rise up and then slowly uh, transition and then rapidly transition to the gold. I, I do really like those good. effects. I like that that kind of that small build up before snapping on the form. It looks really good, especially with Trunks, who has, I guess, long, beautiful, perfect hair, like L'Oreal perfect. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. And you kind of get to see their auras, like their hair waves in the golden aura. But we quickly see Trunks apologize to Goku as he draws his sword and swings down on him straight for his face. Yeah, and I love this because Goku just no-sells it as Trunk pulls back the blow just before it cuts through Goku. And Trunks is kind of shocked. He's like, "What? why didn't you do anything? And Goku says, I sensed your heart and there was no, no ill will in it, so I knew you wouldn't hurt me. And this is another one of those like Goku can just do magical shit moments where <laughs> he just he just knows this stuff. In a way, like it's I feel like this one is more connected to like we've we've learned throughout watching the show that Goku is very good at sensing energy and reading key. And I feel like this is kind of tied to that because we we frequently get people saying like, oh, I feel an evil key or an evil energy. And I think that that's kind of like what this, this is almost the inverse of that where Goku's like, there's no evil or ill intent in you, your key, your energy. I actually really like this because this to me, this is, this is Goku at his best when he is, He's a professional martial artist. He's he's matured at this point. Uh, he's a father. He's an adult. He, he has also kind of at this point, like mastered his well, in some ways, mastered his Super Saiyan transformation. But this type of Goku, this like serious Goku 
is such a departure now that we've watched Dragon Ball Super in its entirety recently and you kind of get like stupid Super Goku. It really makes me appreciate Goku and Dragon Ball Z so much more and really dislike what they did to him in Super. <laughs> yeah, I oh gosh. Yeah, I agree. This is you're right. This is much, much. This feels like Goku, right? This feels like the the natural trajectory of Goku where he's he's not a kid anymore. He's an adult and he's able to make these kinds of adult decisions, even though Trunks did just I, I don't know how many people Trunks just killed. I'm glad Goku was confident that he wasn't going to be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's interesting. Um, But this kind of turns into Trunks basically being like, well, I'm not going to hold back this time. And Goku's like, all right. (laughs) What turns into one of my favorite action sequences as Goku lifts a single finger and you just see that, aura his super saiyan key charged to that single point in his finger as he gets ready to defend himself against trunks's sword i i mean this is probably one of the most iconic moments of of this entire like post frieza everything just goku just moving nothing but his arm and finger to block swing after swing after swing from trunks's sword It's incredible. Uh, Trunks is going all out. You see Trunks moving his entire body, putting everything he has into each strike. And like you said, Goku is almost standing there still, except for his one hand that easily deflects every attack. I feel like this also, while these two are both Super Saiyans and they're probably on similar levels, I feel like this is expressing that Goku is still a step above Trunks, who just made Frieza and King Cold look like, you know, children. Oh, I can only imagine the uh, the power boost that Goku got from recovering from that fight with Frieza. I'm sure he's he's colossally strong now. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge Zenkai boost off of that for sure. Um, but this this kind of satisfies Trunks and he's basically like, you're you are everything that I've heard about and more like he's, he's vastly impressed by Goku's performance here. Yeah. He's, he's impressed. We see him put his sword away. Goku puts his finger away. And now we're, <laughs> we're entering the talking phases where the beans are going to be spilled. Like I alluded to earlier, because I was going to start just talking about it, but then I forgot about the sword finger thing. <laughs> You can't forget about the sword finger thing. (laughs) But yeah, this kind of turns into the the story of our figure here as we find out, uh, I think, well, it actually takes a minute for him to give his name, I believe, uh, because our figure actually says that he's from the future, uh, that he is... Vegeta's son and then after a little bit more dialogue expresses uh well I think first expresses that he's come here because in the future there are going to be two androids who attack our Z fighters and kill the vast majority of our Z fighters yeah the the kind of the synopsis is is Trunks is a time traveler from 20 years in the future who is also the son of Vegeta 
Trunks is pleading for Goku's help, telling him that in three years from now, on the 12th of May at 10 a.m., very punctual, a pair of powerful androids constructed by Dr. Jiro will emerge and ravage the planet. And worst of all, all the Z fighters, with the exception of Trunks, are dead in his timeline, and that his teacher was Gohan before he too was claimed by the androids. This is great. The The dialogue for this is really, really well done. Uh, Goku is quickly, quickly realizes that Trunks didn't say anything about him, about Goku. And so he asks, wait, what happened to me? Did I get killed by the androids? And Trunks says, no, you died before the androids appeared due to a heart virus. Yeah, and that's kind of a, I guess, a red flag, right? That's not something that Goku can train to beat. That's not something that your power level can really do anything about. It's very bizarre. But thankfully, Trunks has shown up with the cure for this heart virus that in his timeline, they've already beaten and it's no big deal. But in the current timeline, there is no cure for it. Yeah, this is interesting. I I like the idea of the heart virus because, like you said, it, it creates this dilemma that Goku can't solve himself. He can't just train to get stronger than the heart virus or anything. He just, you know, he's kind of shit out of luck. Um, but because 20 years in the future, they have this solution. Trunks can help him here. Um, I do think it's funny though, because a time traveler showed up and said, Hey, there's this problem that you won't be able to solve yourself. Here's the solutions. So that way you can solve it yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, they do kind of like undo that. Right. But we'll find out that it's it's not a perfect resolution so <laughs> that's true um the final thing of note here is that um we find out that trunks's mom is a uh, bulma and that's where he's been getting kind of all this cool capsule corp tech from and i know you specifically had made note of when he reveals his name was it right at the beginning of this exchange or was it towards the end with Goku? Um, With Goku, when he brings him off to the side, he does reveal it fairly quickly with Goku, but it's not up until they go off, not until after the um the sword finger fight. Okay. And yeah, I, I kind of revealed that early on, um, partly because it's just easier to talk about him with his name, but... It's interesting that he doesn't reveal it. He specifically, Trunks specifically tells Goku, you can't tell anybody about this. And he's basically saying, if Vegeta or Balma get wind of this, I might not be born. And he's actually worried that he's going to like, because he doesn't know how the time travel is going to work right now. He's worried he's going to like blip out of existence if they don't have a child. Yeah, so his... Goku keeping a secret is what his existence hinges on, which is never a good thing. 
it's actually funny to me because I think Goku says something like, oh, don't worry, I'm really good at keeping a secret. And I'm like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's uh, just make the kid comfortable. The cat's out of the bag. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think that might more or less... Oh, well, I, I guess the the tail end of this episode is kind of the the departure of our future warrior as Goku kind of goes to meet back up with his friends and we get to see Trunks rise up into the air in this, I mean, it's a fucking time machine. Uh, It's this pod basically, but we basically get to see it disappear in a flash of light as Trunks kind of waves goodbye to the Z fighters who, he never really got to know in his timeline. Yeah, and I mean, if if you haven't seen the history of Trunks, definitely watch it. Um, the The series isn't going to fill you in that much on Trunks' background, um, but the, I mean, it's kind of a movie. It's like a television special, basically. It, it does a great job. Uh, honestly, it's one of the best pieces of Dragon Ball you can watch. It's phenomenal. I think we actually covered the history of Trunks. I was we just did, checking. yep. I think that's one of our instant reactions, if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, it looks like it was episode 12, so a little ways back. But yeah, if you want to check that out, too. I love Trunks' story. I love Trunks' timeline. I love that there's no Dragon Balls to solve all of their problems. Phenomenal. It's excellent. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, the regular timeline needs to take some notes from Trunks' timeline. I very much agree. I I think we kind of get, we find out that Piccolo was able to hear the entire conversation between Goku and Trunks, which is a good thing because they still stick to the fact that Goku does not remember the details about it being on <laughs> May 12th at 10 a.m., nine miles southwest of South City or whatever it is. I love this because this is Goku humor, right? This is... Shoot, he told me all this stuff, and I kind of remember, but uh, I'm not so good at remembering stuff in details like that. This is the sort of dumb Goku that I enjoy. I don't like the uh, the like super slapstick dumb Goku that we get in Super, and I like it even less after watching this because I really like Goku in this portion of Z. Well, it's also kind of reasonable level of dumb, right? It's, have you ever been reading a book and you read through a paragraph and then thought, I have no idea what I just read. It's that sort of thing happening in real life. Or like, as soon as Trunks said in three years, there's going to be a fight. And Goku thought, all right, don't care about the rest of the conversation. I'm just here for the fight. (laughs) I mean, Goku even expresses his first reaction to the fact that Trunks says, yeah, you died to a heart virus. Uh, You didn't even get a chance to fight the androids. Goku is just like, Oh, man, I missed out on a good fight. (laughs) (laughs) See, very good Goku humor. This is Goku humor done well. So, yeah, I applaud. This is good writing, unlike Super, which is not so good writing. But that more or less wraps up this episode with Piccolo kind of giving everyone all the details that aren't relevant to Trunks's existence or lack thereof. So everyone knows about the danger that's ahead, not so much the time travel stuff. Well, actually, they do know that Trunks is a time traveler, right? Does he reveal that? Yeah, yeah, they would have to, basically, right? Um, for Trunks to yes, know they all do. Of these, he just doesn't reveal who his man power. 
or his name yeah mm. none of none of none of the specifics about trunks as a person and that's about the only thing that gets omitted okay yep so piccolo does a good job thank god goku didn't get involved and <laughs> that wraps up that episode which takes us into episode 58 goku's new technique instant movement special training staked on three years from now ah that's a long name uh episode 58 kicks off with uh trunks being gone and the situation wrapped up and goku is kind of questioned about how he was able to escape namek and this is where we get kind of the i guess the gap filling here how goku did manage his great escape after everyone thought he was dead and we learn that after he failed to escape on Frieza's spacecraft, Goku was fortunate enough to stumble upon one of those little Saiyan pods from the Ginyu Force in the 11th hour. And he jumped into that thing. And he just mashed buttons until it fired off. Yeah, I I actually really like there's a detail where Vegeta says the Ginyus must have been on their way to Yardrat to take it over for freezes empire so they could sell the planet it's it's just a nice little detail of like world building and making sense out of the fact that goku managed to get there by just mashing a bunch of buttons <laughs> one of them was just the autopilot button right that was the next destination and that's where the ship took him yeah that makes H- sense had to, me. to be yeah yeah absolutely because goku even says i just hit every button i could until it started moving um so yeah obviously it, it was like autopilot to get him there and it's kind of cool because Yoku or Yoku Goku crashes on planet Yardrad, um, which would have been destroyed by Frieza and the Ginyu Force if not for Goku defeating them. Right. So he inadvertently saved this planet that he crash landed on. And this is where we see him get kind of healed up and dressed up in their clothes since his clothes were all tattered and they teach him a new move, which is instant transmission, the in- ability to envision locations and teleport there. I just want to say podcast name drop. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. this is Goku finally having like his own true unique technique that feels very Goku that you don't see anyone else use, right? No one else really uses instant transmission throughout Dragon Ball. I, oh man, uh, I am so torn on this technique because it solves a lot of problems. And that's almost a problem in itself. It solves too many problems. I, I agree. I There needs to be some some check to using this ability, right? There needs to be some downside or something like a drawback to being able to teleport. The only kind of check, I guess there's two very minor ones. One that I do like a lot is that Goku specifically has to focus on someone's energy. He more or less has to teleport to a person, uh, which is good. I like that he can't just teleport wherever the hell he wants. Uh, The other one that we find out eventually through the show is that there are times when someone will be too far away and he can't sense their energy and he can't teleport to them. But it honestly, it just feels like it's 
at the show's or the story's convenience. It's whenever they decide that he shouldn't, they don't want him to be able to teleport. I mean, they, they managed to, what was it? The first trip to Namek took like a month and then the second spaceship got there in a week. And then now we're just going to teleport. We're just, we're done traveling places. (laughs) Yeah. It both opens up the universe for them to, you know, travel to different places while also making the universe feel very, very small. So it's, uh, I love it and I hate it. (laughs) I, 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 definitely agree with you on both of your points just it because i i do think it's cool as hell goku having his own ability something that's very uniquely goku right he learned it on some you know obscure alien world and now he's here with it as far as i'm concerned that's goku's ability i get that he was taught it but i mean it's his he has his own unique technique now that's kind of awesome i mean he does have a few other ones that we really only see him use but, um, yeah, I, I also think that those techniques could be taught to other people and that bothers me. Yeah, I agree. I will say kind of for, well, you, you'll both like and dislike this. I'm not going to say specifics, but the manga gives this technique to somebody else. Oh, you can't drop that in the middle of, okay. All right. We got to keep moving forward. This is going to go <laughs> off the rails. All right. So Goku can teleport to people and locations that he can hone in on. And that's a big reveal. We can't understate it because it it plays a huge role in just the story of Dragon Ball, especially Goku. And at this point, it's everyone's got the, the scoop. They know where Goku's been. We know what he's been up to. And everyone begins kind of game planning these androids that are going to show up. and. Bulma, being the person with common sense here, points out that rather than waiting three years, couldn't they just go there now and blow them up before they even emerge? Yeah, right? she... Sorry, go ahead. No, right? Like, that's that seems like common sense, right? Like, we could not put the whole planet at risk and instead just go blow up the androids. I mean, I think that she specifically... Like, this is cold as fuck because she specifically says we could use the Dragon Balls to find where the Red Ribbon Army is, where this... I, I think she even specifically talks about Dr. Giroux at this point, who is the one who's going to create the androids. And she says, we could use the Dragon Balls to find Dr. Giroux and murder him before he creates the androids. I'm like, damn, Bulma, that's fucking cold. That's why her and Vegeta get along. That's that <laughs> mm-hmm, cold-hearted efficiency right there. I mean, it... Like you said, it, in a way, it's logical, but it's also, I mean, this is almost going to turn into like an abortion argument because <laughs> Goku, go. Goku specifically says, I mean, one, I want to fight the androids, but two, this guy hasn't even created the androids yet. So he really hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, there are some decent points that are brought up in contrast, right? Goku's right. Can you kill somebody who hasn't really done anything wrong, which we'll learn about his relationship with those androids later, because I think he did already do things that are wrong, but they don't know that. Um, and Krillin also mentions that kind of giving everyone a common enemy is actually going to keep everybody on good terms with each other. It's kind of a little bit of a powder keg with all these not so good guys on the same team. You know, 
I really well, he he's pointing to like he's talking specifically like we talked about. He's talking about TN Piccolo. I mean, TN's you know kind of fully on the good guy side now. Piccolo's probably fully a good guy at this point. Yeah, he's not going to uh, blow up the planet, but he's he's not exactly a good good guy. Yeah, gives this gives Piccolo something to work towards and yeah. to focus his energy on. But Vegeta is the important one. Here. Yes, Vegeta is. I mean, he really hasn't earned anyone's trust at this point. Even with their fighting on on Namek, Vegeta was still only really out for himself. He was never really a good guy there. He was only saving people if it was convenient for him or tactic or tactically useful tactically useful yeah 100 i mean vegeta on namek 100 still uh, i mean really a bad guy uh, cold-hearted like, absolutely cold-hearted yeah the only reason he was fighting with our z fighters is because it was like you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing like we need to team up and fight this other bad guy uh so yeah he's uh, i mean if vegeta is left to his devices he might decide i want to kill everybody on the earth or I want to destroy the earth and, you know, stick it to Goku. Cause I don't like Goku. Yeah. Vegeta definitely still has kind of a vendetta towards Goku at this point. Right. It's his every waking moment. He's trying to figure out how to get one over on Goku, how to surpass him. And at least having a common enemy here will take all of those efforts and aim it at something that's probably less destructive to the planet and our main character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this kind of turns into all of our Z fighters, including Vegeta, saying, I'm going to go train uh, Vegeta, basically saying, I'm going to go, you know, become a Super Saiyan and get stronger than you, Goku. But all of them kind of split off. And I, there's just a little bit of dialogue that I love because Goku says to Balma, hey, take care of that baby and then flies away. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like gee, Goku, you might've just unexisted somebody. Oh. I love this too, because Goku just got done telling trunks like, Hey, yeah, I'm great at keeping secrets. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately just blows it. I yeah, don't know. It's, it's also Goku. So no one really takes it that serious. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fortunate, but uh, this kind Every, of everyone's going off to train at this point, right? So Goku says it and then flies off, and everyone's kind of picking a partner at this point to go train with. Um, we see uh, Goku goes to train with Piccolo and Gohan. Krillin goes off to train with Roshi. Tien with Chaozu, and Vegeta goes to train solo in three hundred times gravity. But before Gohan flies off, he has this little foreshadowing comment where he mentions, I bet Tien comes up with some new moves. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's funny. Um, I, I had a good laugh because it's like, oh, cool. Yep, that's foreshadowing right there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, this kind of turns into more or a less training the... montage, which I yes. love. I love training montages. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. And, you know, it, we see like Tien blowing up a rock around Chaozu. We see Vegeta in the 300 times gravity. I think my favorite is actually just seeing Goku and Piccolo 
beating the shit out of Gohan. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, though, because we see Gohan just taking an absolute beating. And then when he gets knocked down, we see him grit his teeth and not give up and kind of push forward and continue training. We see this resolve in Gohan that we just we haven't seen before. We see him kind of taking on that mantle of a warrior. You know what? This actually is probably a good point to bring up. I almost forgot they in Kai, the opening for this arc has changed. It's been updated. I don't know if you even watched it because I most of the time skip through it, but I caught the tail end of it. The second half of the opening shows some of the androids, shows some of the Super Saiyans. But what it specifically focuses on is Gohan. Oh, it shows, yeah, it shows, I didn't watch it. I usually just go straight to the content. You'll have to go back and rewatch it because it shows Gohan as a as a young boy. And then it shows scenes for Gohan as he grows up um, from being, you know, like the four year old child with the, the Dragon Ball on his hat. And then as he fights the Saiyans and as he fights on Namek and then as he fights in this android arc which is going to be important moving through this entire arc. That's awesome. That's great attention to detail. I really liked it. I was like, that's that's really, really cool because Gohan's story arc is going to be maybe the most important as we move through this arc. Well, speaking of important events, we see Balma swooning over Vegeta, who's continuing to lose his mind over Trunks and Goku being Super Saiyans, but not him. <laughs> I love this obsessiveness. I love that he never lets go of it. Yeah, this is, I mean, he, he blows up the ship that he's in. He damn near kills himself trying to train in 300 times gravity and trying to beat Goku. And yeah, Balma full on takes care of him. And, you know, at this point, Balma and Yamcha are still together. Uh, but you could tell you can already tell that Balma's growing in affection for Vegeta. So we're, they're trying to make it make sense for these characters, right? Uh, Balma and Vegeta, why they would get together. And you, you start to kind of see it. Some of it feels a little forced to me where it's just like, I don't know. She's seeing that fine bod. And that seems like it's enough for her sometimes, which I wouldn't blame her. Like, you know, get it girl. But they do have other moments, though, where I think it's done better, kind of like the you're going to take a shower scene that felt like kind of the personalities actually matching together rather than butting heads. Yeah, that's fair. I think that there's something that they I mean, again, it, their personalities are similar. I think that they both like the strong headedness of the other. And so I think even when they are butting heads, I think that that's something that they enjoy about one another. I uh, mean, it's you probably got to be a special kind of person to be with either of them. So if that's what they're trying to do, then it makes sense that they ended up together. I'll, I'll yeah. just leave it there. Yeah, 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. Well, uh, we see Krillin throwing some Kamehameha's at the ocean, which I don't know how many of those you can do with it still really getting you gains. Um Krillin's got to find a new training regimen or something because Roshi's Island, he's out. He outgrew that years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. We do kind of go back to Gohan training with Goku and Piccolo. There's a great scene where Piccolo and Gohan are, they're almost having like a three-way fight, but Piccolo and Goku are just having at one another. And Gohan's kind of sitting off on the side and he's just watching. He's trying to catch 
them because they're moving so quickly. And he finally like puts a bead on them and then attacks Goku. And Goku's surprised at first, but quickly like dodges and catches the attack. And then Goku just has an amazing line. There's just, what's wrong, son? Why are you moving so slow? And then just knees him right in the gut. And I was <laughs> dying laughing. <laughs> I I was taken like completely off guard by that. Just how ruthless Goku was. It's <laughs> like, like, are you trying right now? <laughs> Have a knee to the stomach, my son. It's savage. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, well... Uh, yeah, so everyone gets their training in. The montage is awesome, and three years have now passed, and everyone begins to gather. I think that pretty much yeah. as they gather takes us to the tail end of that episode. It, it does, which leads us right into episode 59. The pair who don't leave a trace, the artificial humans appear. And our Z fighters begin arriving at the island that the androids are supposedly going to arrive at. We see Balma showing up with her new baby, Trunks. Uh? Yajirobe even makes a surprise visit to drop off some sensu beans. Um, he doesn't make it far, though, as his sky car, which is not a plane, by the way, it is a sky car, <laughs> is suddenly blown from the sky. Yeah, this is, I mean... Our Z fighters have kind of been like, hey, we don't sense any energy. We're not noticing anything happening. And then when Yajirobe's car gets blown out of the sky, they still express, we didn't sense a thing. And then they they kind of start to put pieces together and say, wait a second, they're androids. Maybe because they're androids and they're, they're you know, they're robots, essentially, we won't be able to sense their energy. So this is going to present a big problem for our This Z is, fighters. I think, the most clever thing they could have done with the androids because it adds this layer of complexity to the fight, right? Normally, like, we've seen the, the shoe being on the other foot where their opponent can't sense energy and they take advantage of that, such as Frieza. But now... It's kind of no one can sense anybody. It's a free for all. And also, they've never even seen these androids. How the hell are they even going to find them if they don't know what they look like? And I think Goku is even lamenting that. He's like, I should have asked for a description or a picture or something from Trunks. I didn't even think about it. Uh, and it it almost <laughs> it, it's funny because in the Namek arc, we get uh, we find that the the bad guys, Frieza and, you know, even Vegeta at some point, uh, they are all over-reliant on the scouters. This is almost showing now an over-reliance on sensing energy. So it, it's kind of funny that our good guys are kind of back in that position. That That's a, a great comparison. I didn't even think about putting it that way, which is, I mean, it's true, right? And now they have to adapt on the fly. They've got to come up with a plan. And the first plan is let's split up gang. <laughs> I, I love oh. this. Uh, and I mean, you know, Dragon Ball Z abridged, of course, poked fun at this perfectly, but obviously, you know, who else is going to get caught by the androids, but none other than, our boy Yamcha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, at least it wasn't Krillin. 
I mean, you know, Krillin's like our number two punching bag in Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so fortunately, he's got Yamcha to be the meat shield to take the brunt yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this: this scene is well done. It's a, it's a little bit more of like a a horror scene than it is a fight scene, right? It's Yamcha kind of runs into the commotion that's happening looking for the androids. And this is where we have the slow realization where he realizes the person he's talking to is the android. And this is where we see a mouth put, or I'm sorry, a hand put over his mouth as he's lifted from the ground and unable to do anything for himself. We see energy being pulled out of his body and while he's becoming weaker and even more defenseless, we see a hand plunge through his chest as all life begins to drain out of his eyes. Yeah, and I, I want to take a small step back, too, just to the reveal of the yes, androids. Yes, please do that, yes. Because this is so well done. I And I agree with you, this has kind of a horror vibe to it, uh, which is going to kind of continue in, in a lot of this arc, which I really, really like because we don't really get that in Dragon Ball very often. But the the framing of the scenes here is so well done because we get to see as these guys are our Z fighters are running through the city trying to find these androids. We just see this low shot of the ground as two sets of feet float down to rest onto the ground. And they don't look menacing at all in fact they're wearing dress shoes so it, we kind of get this idea that these guys are like finely dressed but we're like okay you know there's these two figures obviously these got to be the androids and then we just see a, a slightly higher shot of them walking through the city and then we finally see somebody addressing them being like hey did you see that explosion over there and we get this slow pan up as we see I mean, these guys are not menacing looking, in my opinion. It is they're an goofy old looking, man. right? I mean, yeah, like one of them's got this this giant kind of Doctor Wily, a la Mega Man mustache, and then the other one looks like a like a goddamn marshmallow. Absolutely. And yeah, they look ridiculous in a lot of ways. I mean, it looks like a like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they have like uh, poofy sleeves and these black vests with like these I don't know big bungee cords on big buttons that hold them closed. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they they look silly. Despite that, this has such a feeling of menace to it. I love the tone of this scene because they, I mean, they, they straight up murder or begin to murder several people in the street before they even come up to or find Yamcha, at which point the whole scene that you described happens of Yamcha getting, well, yamcha And I will say, I love the reaction to the scene where the Z fighters sense his plummeting energy. And that's how they kind of pinpoint where everything's happening at it's shoot we just sense one of our friends kind of fall off the energy grid we got to go over there this is where we need to be and the rest of the z fighters they arrive at this gruesome site and goku immediately kind of takes the lead he orders krillin to take yamcha back to balma who has the sensu beans over there for some reason i was gonna bring this up too i'm trying like i'm desperately trying to justify in my head why they left them there 
I can't think of anything. Uh, abridged I, also poked fun at that, so I don't think anyone has a good reason. Yeah, I I really cannot think of anything. Like, just give. Well, I don't know. Either divide them up amongst them because they had a shit ton, or give them to one fighter. Like, give them to Piccolo. Maybe the guy who can teleport. I don't know. <laughs> that, that would make a little bit too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of funny, but either way, it's. Yamcha's being, you know, life lighted off scene and Krillin, who probably wouldn't really be able to help anyway, is taking him. So now we've got the more relevant Z fighters kind of getting kind of staring down our new opponents here. And Goku asked them if they can take the battle somewhere else and where there's you know, where there's less people. Right. Goku's immediately worried about the collateral damage. And Dr. Zero is very nice. And he's going to take care of that collateral damage by turning his head into a laser sprinkler and killing everybody on the island. Yeah, this is awesome because this is just like straight destruction. And I think you pulled a me because they don't actually reveal his name for a while. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think actually, even in the episodes that we've covered, I don't think they give his name at all. In fact, he even goes so far as to say Dr. Rowe is no longer amongst the living uh, as they kind of move forward. Yeah, which is it's, it's, interesting. It really is interesting storytelling. And the kind of going back to that horror talk, when I say that Dr. Rowe, which like is, like you said, we don't know his name yet. When he turns his head around like a sprinkler, it's his body is static and his head is turning around like a post firing lasers across this island that's wiping out all of the the humanity in front of it. And we see half the island, maybe more of it, get wiped out in a moment. This is awesome. Uh, I mean, Goku is quick to act, but not quick enough because half the island gets blown away as Goku dashes in and just delivers a heavy blow to this guy's face, knocking his his head cylinder off of his head uh, <laughs> to reveal uh, it, it's like a glass case that you can see directly into this guy's brain. Uh, yeah, just... and with his brain jar revealed, uh, Dr. Duro turns off sprinkler mode and finally agrees to go somewhere else to battle. Also, Yamcha's fine. <laughs> Yay, Sensu Beans. He, he got better. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is really bizarre. Also, I'm going to go ahead and bring up Dr. Juro's partner's name because I don't remember them ever really even saying it throughout all of this. Because I was trying they... to listen for the reveal of Android 19's name. I don't know when they say it. I uh, like calling him Android 19. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Honestly, in the episodes that we watch, I didn't catch. I didn't catch 19. I didn't catch 20. I didn't catch. Well, the only time they said Dr. Zero was when they referenced when Dr. Zero or Android 20 himself says Dr. Zero is no longer amongst the living. That's the only time they really said that. Um yeah, I don't I didn't catch their numbers or names at all, really. Yeah, it was it was really weird because I actually had to we're getting ready to go into episode 60, which is the last episode we're going to cover. I had to in the middle of watching episode 60, 
Google which Android that one was because I couldn't remember. I thought it was 19, but I was just I couldn't remember them saying it. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, in the the Funimation dub, the original. Uh, I mean, these two are referenced or, or are called Android 20 and Android 19. And actually, I'm looking at the title card for the next episode, which has that name in it. Yeah, that's kind of what prompted me to to confirm it or look it up because I don't remember them even saying uh, the his name. I don't think it happens actually in the episode or if it does, it's very quick or understated, but it could be just like that Dr. Jero reveal where it's kind of mentioned once and then that's it. Yeah. I honestly, I don't think they say it. They, uh, we haven't covered all the episodes with these characters, so they might say it moving forward, but we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Well, we're going to keep an eye out for episode 60, which is up next, which is called Attacked on Both Sides by Eternal Enemy, Sun Goku versus Artificial Human number 19. And the Z Fighters and the Androids all arrive at their new battle island. And right away, Goku's looking a little off when they arrive. He seems to be kind of sweating a little bit, um, breathing just a little bit heavy. He doesn't appear to be in great health right now we see our z fighters kind of start pointing this out too they're like what's going on with goku all we did was fly over here he he delivered a single punch and now he he flew and he's already out of breath like that's weird uh but we we kind of dive into the android's backstory here as our android 20 or dr Zero, as we know him uh he he basically says we've we've been built to get revenge on you Goku because you destroyed the red ribbon army and we've been watching you we've calibrated our power or our the doctor has calibrated our power to your progress as we watched you fight in all of the world martial arts tournaments we watched you fight against the Saiyans, Raditz, as well as Nappa and Vegeta. And so we clearly know how powerful you are and we're going to be able to defeat you. Yeah, and all that sounds really scary until we realize that there's one event that they did not witness and that event was the event of Namek and all of Goku's progress there. And... Everyone's pretty cocky at this point because they know the power boost that Goku got, right? Dr. Jiro has no idea what a Super Saiyan is, and they think that he's in for a rude awakening at this point. Yeah, and this is, man, I love, I love Super Saiyan being fresh and new because they give so much respect to the transformation right here. It's, it's so good. Like, just getting to see Goku scream and power up his muscles bulging wide, his eyes begin like with a glistening green over them, his hair raising up. And then finally the gold aura and the gold hair shooting forward. It's, it's so good. And Sean Shemmel just delivering a fantastic scream. I, I do love the buildup of the Super Saiyan transformation and Goku stepping forward all battle ready and badass looking. And then 
Android 19, the giant marshmallow stepping forward. It just, I mean, it just looks ridiculous. And when this battle kicks off, it looks ridiculous as Goku is just pounding this marshmallow into dust. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be a one-sided ass whooping, right? Like, Android 19 is not able to deliver a single blow. Goku's dodging everything. Goku is just delivering, you know, kick and knee and punch. Uh, and you see Goku just knock the Android with an elbow into rocks. Um, I mean, our Z fighters are feeling confident here, but... Goku's, I mean, Goku's still breathing heavy. He's, it seems like he's winded and we're not really seeing much in the way of damage or even, you know, slow down from the Android. Yeah. As Goku gets tired, Android 19 seems to just keep trucking along and midway through the fight, we see Piccolo and Gohan both catch on to Goku's lack of strength. His, his moves are connecting, but they're not connecting with very much force. And this is where um, we start noticing things shift, right? Like, we know that Goku is much more powerful than he really is, or what he's showing right now, because Piccolo and Gohan have trained with him for three years. They know how strong he should be. And Goku looks like he's backed into a corner, even though he should be winning this fight, and launches a Kamehameha wave out of desperation. I love the detail of Piccolo kind of expressing Goku's looking sloppy and he's looking rush, but not that specifically. What I really love is Piccolo addressing Gohan and being like, are you seeing this? And Gohan's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Because this not only expresses the immense amount of progress that Gohan has made to be able to recognize that Goku in his Super Saiyan form is is fighting sloppy and is doing things poorly. Uh, it expresses the amount of time that Gohan has spent fighting with his father and understanding how he fights. It, Three years is a lot a, of time. That's a lot of time. Yeah, it's such a great attention to detail here. I really, really like that part. Yeah, and so Goku launches this desperate Kamehameha wave at Android 19. And this is where we see the entire blast absorbed right before everyone's eyes. And it's about this point that Yamcha points out that he was pretty sure these androids were sucking the energy out of him when they had him. And now it's, it's confirmed, right? There's no question about it. And I mean, Goku, gasping for air decides that he's going to try and launch another attack. It's Goku's looking really sloppy and he has to be called off of this second Kamehameha wave. I mean, not even like so much uh, people are yelling at him not to do it, but he's so gassed and there's something so wrong with him that the Kamehameha wave just like kind of, sputters out doesn't even fire off at the android and this is after the android gives him a bit of a beating the the fight is has very much flipped on its head at this point and goku is not in control of this fight at all 
Yeah, it's abundantly clear that Goku's not able to continue this fight, and this heart virus is ravaging his body. And a sensu bean is called for Goku. He takes it and eats it, but even a sensu bean can't cure this virus. And so Goku is left kind of defenseless and is knocked around and beaten to the floor where he's eventually grabbed a hold of by 19 and we see his energy start getting drained from him. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, this is excellent. I, I love how savage it is with Android 19, almost just like, heavily plopping down onto Goku's chest, like pinning his arms down with his feet and then lashing a hand onto his throat. I mean, it looks like he's almost digging in, like trying to crush his windpipe as he sucks the energy from our hero. And, and I like that their, their fighting style kind of matches who they are, right? Android 19 is this kind of big bubblegum looking dude who's going to throw his weight around. As far as I know, he's not really a martial artist, and Dr. Giro is more of a scientist, so their fighting style should kind of reflect that, right? And I do at least get some of that. I agree. I like that a lot, too. Uh, this kind of results in our Z fighters being like, we need to step in and save Goku, but they get blocked by Android 20 or Dr. Giro, and Piccolo still tries to attack, but Dr. Giro blasts two eye beams through Piccolo's chest or shoulder and Piccolo is knocked to the ground out of the fight. And how is Piccolo not aware of the eye beams? He has eye beams. He should always be on the lookout for them. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but Piccolo is easily our second strongest fighter at this point, I would say. And so we're left with Gohan, Tien, Krillin and Yamcha and they're, I mean, honestly, they're no match for either of these androids. So they don't, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where this episode wraps up at with a cliffhanger with the situation being dire with our heroes kind of helpless and Goku's life kind of on the line. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the last episode that we're covering for this is the first part of the artificial humans arc. I did want to, there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, towards the earlier part of these episodes. And it's the, it's the order in which they deliver the information to us as the audience. So kind of going back to the first episode, uh, episode 55, we start that episode off seeing Frieza floating in space and then seeing Frieza get rebuilt with his robotic parts. I don't like this. I I went back specifically because I was like, this feels weird. Because we moved from that into seeing our heroes on Earth just kind of living their lives. And then sensing Frieza's energy or sensing an energy coming towards Earth and being like, oh no, it's Frieza. In the original, the the Funimation dub, or really just the original almost 300 episode Dragon Ball Z, we don't see that scene with Frieza until he's fighting Trunks. We don't get to see what happened to Frieza until he's fighting Trunks and we get that backstory. 
Okay, so it's a much more kind of mysterious reveal or much more of a shock when it does happen in the original. Okay. Exactly. And that's what I like because I really like the buildup to the reveal that, oh shit, Goku didn't kill Frieza and Frieza's coming to Earth right now. And you really get this buildup of the characters being like, they don't even reveal it immediately. They're kind of like, do you... Do you feel that there's this huge energy? It feels evil and it's coming towards earth. And we see multiple people doing that. And so us as the audience, we're kind of like, wait, what is it? Who is it? Could it, could it be Frieza or is it somebody else or somebody new? And then they finally are like, it's Frieza. So I really like that. The audience kind of goes on that journey along with the characters. Honestly, that's probably, I like that better too because with the way they did it in Kai, now there's this kind of buildup, right? It's you've put that expectation in there on the first episode. Like day one, we get out of Namek, we know Frieza's coming back, and you kind of build that up for the audience, right? It's now I'm expecting Frieza and I have expectations versus the sudden reveal. Um, I think I think it is a better, it's just better storytelling to have it be a shock to everybody. It's I don't know. I put it kind of in the same category, though, is for me, it's. Well, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't I know we're doing a podcast where we're supposed to have them all sorted out, but Dragon, there's a <laughs> lot to Dragon Ball. And sometimes depending on what day I'm thinking about it or what mood I'm in or what content I've recently consumed, my opinions on certain things like that can change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, so as we're getting deeper and deeper into Kai, Kai gives us the information pretty much in, in order, in chronological order. It's, it's very much to me. Like when we watched the very first episode, the very first episode starts with Bardock. It starts with the reveal that Frieza was the one who blew up the uh, planet Vegeta and, you know, killed Bardock, killed Goku's father. And that, you know, obviously at that point you're like, Oh, you know, Goku's a Saiyan from Planet Vegeta. You have all this information like delivered to you right at the forefront. I don't like that. I like getting the going on the journey with the characters and kind of finding out that information and having those those mysteries and those questions about what's going to happen. Yeah, and it's not it's not like a Chekhov's gun sort of situation, right? Where we're something's alluded to and then we get to see it happen say like the super saiyan prophecy or something like that like that's giving insight that that of a future event that's well done versus just giving it outright right now it's you can allude to things i think there's a better way to tell that sort of story than the way they did it in with frieza um because, I mean, they could have talked about how, well, you know, Goku made it out. What if Frieza made it out sort of thing, right? Like, you could have alluded to it, but they did it a little bit too on the nose. And it, you're right. It gives kind of the shocking. Uh, the reveal isn't as shocking when you do it that way. Yeah, I I don't know. And I, I mean, honestly, this is probably made more for people who have watched Dragon Ball. The, the further so, we get into this, the more I think that's the case. Yeah, but, you know, I frequently want to recommend Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z to people who have never watched it. And I I want to 
I'm watching through Kai. I want to be like, okay, you know, Kai is probably the best way to watch Dragon Ball Z for somebody who's never seen it before. Uh, there are times though that I'm like, mm, I really like the way they did it in the original better. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like there's got to be like a a better blend of the old and and the old stuff in Kai or Kai could have done a better job of picking and sorting things. I guess. I don't know. It's Kai is right there. It's right on the edge of being such a good show to watch overall, but it keeps stumbling over its own feet by what it chooses to cut out. And then also what it chooses to keep in and how it decides to slice things up. Right. It's, there are some bizarre decisions where like not spending enough time with, uh, like Gohan at the very beginning of it all. Like we cut through all of that. We hardly know who Gohan is. We have no downtime and we're zooming off faster than, than I guess I'm capable of understanding what's happening. And so we're not really building relationships, but then also we'll take this time to, I don't know, add in scenes that reveal the big reveal later. And I don't know what that really adds to it. Yeah, it's, it's funny because if somebody were to come into Kai and watch Kai having never watched Dragon Ball Z, I imagine that they probably wouldn't they wouldn't understand what what they're missing or what was different in the original. So it would be a fine experience. I think it's I think it's a good watch so far. And I I like that it cuts out a lot of the filler, especially God watching that Tudor episode with Gohan <laughs> was painful the show wouldn't be the same um, without it oh god <laughs> but but yeah knowing what i know from the original dragon ball z i'm like ah i just i'm i'm getting nitpicky but there are so many little things that i'm like this was just done better in the original i also want to say i know there's there's a whole bunch of background controversy with the the soundtrack for dragon ball z in particular uh but I will stick by the fact that I think the Faulkner score, which is I sent you a video earlier for like the Toonami version yeah, of yeah. the trunk scene that has the Bruce Faulkner score of music from the original Funimation dub. I think that is easily the best music for Dragon Ball Z, especially the scenes with trunks are the music is way better in those than it's done in Kai. Well, the music worked really well when when we first saw it, right? And those scenes, especially, you know, the big trunks reveal and and all the badassery that he did, I associate that badassery with that music to some degree. So that music already has a good memory associated with it. So if you're going to replace that music, you got to be sure that what you're putting in there is head and shoulders better than the old stuff. It's yeah, and I what you said is important because there's a good chance that I'm kind of basing that opinion on some nostalgia, but I'm, I'm even trying to pull myself away from that nostalgia and be like, try to look at it objectively. And I, I still feel like even pulling myself away from that nostalgia as best I can, I still feel like that Faulkner music is way better done than the, the music for Kai in certain scenes, we we've talked about the music for some of the other scenes and there's been some points where Kai has done it really good. I like some of the sad music they use in Kai is really well done, but then there are other scenes that I'm like, 
uh, I, I remember the old music and it was way better. I mean, I, I'll give Kai credit. Most of the time, I think they do a decent job of picking the, the music choice. It usually, usually matches the scene very well. If it's, it may not be great all the time, but it doesn't really take away from the mood either. I, uh, I'll give you that for sure. Um, and I, I think the, I think the, the sad emotional scenes, they even do, they even improve on them. I don't think that Dragon Ball Z did a very good job with the music for those types of scenes in the past. No. Um, uh, well, and I think super also didn't do a great job with the music either. There are definitely some soundtracks that were way overplayed in there. <laughs> Just cringily overplayed. Yeah. I think the, the tournament towards the end of the series is kind of when they finally started to get their shit together with the music, but Oh, the music at the very end was fantastic. I thought it matched perfectly, but there's so much just mediocrity before that though. There's so much that I just like, it was one of those things where I picked up on this song because you played it like three times in a row and I'm kind of just sick of it. Like I don't, it could be a fine song, but I'm just sick of hearing it at this point. Whereas at least in Kai, I feel like, yeah, the music doesn't get in the way. The music is trying to help set up the scene and support it. And so either it's doing its job or it's pretty decent or they could have picked a better one. There haven't been a lot of terrible music choices for me. Not a lot of them. There's been one or two that I can think of. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I definitely agree with you there. And I, man, the more that it's been a long time since I've gone through Dragon Ball Z in any format. Uh, but going through Kai and going through the Z story once more with these characters again, it's making me like super less and less and less. And I say that as somebody who really enjoyed super, I think just because I got to get more dragon ball. I'm, I kind of want to go back and revisit my, my grading on super after watching all the other dragon ball. Cause I think, I think I even said it when I did grade it, that I was generous to it because I was just so excited to have some new Dragon Ball content. But now that I'm re-experiencing all the older Dragon Ball content, all the stuff I grew up with, it's fresh in my mind and some of the super stuff stands out even more and not in a good way. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm pretty sure we still gave super pretty low scores. We'll have to go back and revisit that. But it'll be interesting to see once we finish Kai and we give scores to all of the Kai arcs Mm -hmm. to kind of compare that to the scores that we gave the super arcs. And when you see this, uh, keep an eye out because I think we're going to be posting um, some pictures on our Twitter of our grades and some of the scoring and stuff that we're going to be coming out with. So you can kind of follow and track that on our social media. Yeah, we're going to try to get everything kind of organized such that it's a little bit more of a visual display that everybody can kind of try. Try is going to be the key word here. Okay, this is not (laughs) a professional operation, but we do our best. Yeah, we're uh, I mean, we're a couple of guys who love some Dragon Ball. It's it's about as professional as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I got to revisit Super, but otherwise so far. This, I guess, this part one of the Android saga, it's, I think it's pretty well done. I do, the pacing feels weird, but sometimes I just think Kai's pacing feels weird in general. Um, Overall, and I'm glad you sent me that Toonami, um, I guess, clips that way you could actually compare the old stuff to the new stuff. The voice acting is just head and shoulders, I think, just 
better just in general with Kai versus the original run. Um, but the one thing I will say is that Freeze's voice, I think, was better done in the original Toonami run because in Kai, they they really go hard with that kind of robot tone that kind of drowns out the actual voice acting. It's honestly hard to understand Frieza in a couple of scenes because they they did the the robot voice so heavy. Uh, but yeah, I, I largely agree with you. Chris Sabat as both Piccolo and Vegeta, the voice difference is vast. It's crazy. Like, it's absolutely nuts. Sean Schemmel sounds pretty similar i would say but i i vastly prefer chris sabbath's performance as piccolo and vegeta nowadays versus the voices he had going on before uh, uh what what i did notice too is that i feel like kai is even more heavily edited and censored than than the toonami run that we saw on public television as kids i noticed that even more of the blood and stuff was edited out in kai I was kind of watching specifically the scene where King Cold gets the hole blown through him. I'll give them credit. I think they did edit some blood out in that scene, but at least they left the fucking hole in his body. <laughs> <laughs> like it's they've just, censored out holes in people's bodies before, and it looks ridiculous. The, the censorship just it's so bizarre. It's so absolutely bizarre. So showing a guy getting cut into a million pieces and evaporated. That's cool. Go ahead and do that. Blow up a planet. Sure. Why not? Um, some blood. Mm, I don't know about that. I also love that the, the language, they're much more loose about the language in Kai. They're much more willing to say like bastard or damn, or mm. just words like that, that you wouldn't have heard in the nineties. And yet they, they're unwilling to show people bleeding <laughs> it's like everyone bleeds it's normal yeah i don't know and i mean you know i guess maybe blood and gore is more severe than foul language but it's still just interesting what they decide to censor and not dragon ball's blood and gore though it's so so tame compared to just i mean a lot of other animes that i've never seen but i've seen snippets of or just what's on <laughs> regular tell it's so tame it's usually just just some blood. It's just some red blood. Or if you're an alien, it might be green or purple or something. It's, I mean, I like it when it's there because I do think it adds to the, the visceralness of a scene. It really adds gravity to a situation or when you see someone hurt, they look, you know, they look so much more hurt, but I think it's artfully done. It's tasteful blood and gore, if you will. It's not gratuitous. Yeah. I mean, I think Dragon Ball frequently likes to, basically put holes in people uh which uh, i mean the thing about like you said you're not gonna you might expect to see like you know their guts hanging out or something if they've got a hole in them but you never see that it's just it's a black or red hole with a bunch of blood and that's it that's not that bad they'd rather them do it just like uh kung pao enter the fist where it just punches <laughs> a perfect hole through people no blood that's like his stomach plug, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how they need to start censoring these. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I might be more okay with that than what they've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I have a lot of minor complaints. The dialogue is mostly better written. There's a few lines that I think I liked better than the, in the original. The voice acting in Kai is, in general, much better. Uh, the The music is eh, mediocre. It's not. It's not invasive. Um, the animation. There weren't as many touch ups this time. I'll give them that, which was good. They dorked uh, up like the most important one, though the the yeah. big trunks like glamour shot, and they just they had to touch that one up, didn't they? Yeah. I the more that I'm learning about it, the more that I think it's it's not so much that they are touching them up just for the sake of touching them up, but more so because the the media for the the original art for Dragon Ball has been damaged just due to time. So I'm trying to give them a break, but man, sometimes that stuff looks real bad. I mean, it's my, in my opinion, I want, what I really wanted was a more condensed, like straight to the point, fully reanimated version of Dragon Ball that could have been the ultimate, like the ultimate, you buy it and you can share it with your kids. It'll last the test of time, like the perfect Dragon Ball set, right? And I thought Kai was going to be that, but then they decided to just cut it up and redo it. It, it was kind of the middle ground that I don't know if anyone really asked for. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying going back through it, but I have so many nitpicks that it's it's hard for me to just sit down and enjoy it because I'm just thinking about what they could have done better. It's I mean, it's it's fine. It's still a good watch, though. I I would still rather watch this, I think, than the original because I've seen the original. There's just so much filler they cut out. And I do appreciate that. So they they definitely get the the seal of approval so far. Yeah. And you make a good point, because actually, as I'm saying that, the more I think on it, Dragon Ball Z might be my favorite of the different Dragon Ball series. And this might be the best way to watch it. I watching those fillers, like the just going back and watching the few episodes of that this Kai covers in the original and seeing the filler that's in there, I was like, ooh, ooh, this is real slow. Ooh, this is not important at all. This is painful to watch. Yeah, yeah it's ripping off a band-aid, right? It's they're doing it slow and really they need to do it quick. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I just remember all of the good parts about the original Dragon Ball Z, and I kind of block out the bad parts and the filler. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been probably four or five years since I rewatched all the original Dragon Ball content, and I just I remember when I went back and rewatched, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is this is kind of pain, especially you know if. If I didn't have a job, yeah, I would sit down and watch all that stuff and be perfectly fine with it. But if, you know, if it's a work night and I've got some time to watch two or three episodes, I don't want all three of those episodes to be filler or two or three of those episodes to be filler. like that. That feels bad, right? That's not a good experience. At least with Kai, I can watch an episode or two and it feels like I've, I've gotten a lot of Dragon Ball content. There's some good calories in there. That's a good point. The the pacing in Kai and the content, it, it's content rich, right? It, it feels like, I mean, it feels like an anime should without the filler and everything. So there's problems with the pacing, mm. but I feel like I've been overly critical, but I think it's also because I do enjoy it. And so I'm looking for critiques to make, but overall it is, it is a very good experience so far. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think we've talked pretty much everything there is to talk about this one. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss for this one, Dayton? No, I'm ready to get balls deep into these androids now. Hell yeah. So I think that's going to be it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we bow down to our android overlords in yes! part two of the artificial humans arc. Piccolo's got a few fresh holes and Goku's being sucked dry. It's looking like the rest of our Z fighters are going to have to gangbang the old man if they want to survive. That's right. <laughs> Sit with that one for a minute. <laughs> Who will be able to step in and save Goku from the androids? What other secrets could the androids be hiding? Who has two broken arms and is a total bitch? Find out a next time. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon. Why was that the most like sexual outro we've ever done? Like the, the nothing happened. Also, did, did, I think we just earned our rated R rating that we signed up for. So that was great. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>